Hello everyone and welcome back to the Garden Bench podcast with me, Jay Martin and Pisa Morris. <laughs> today, it is the, what's the date today? The day after Boxing Day. The day after the day, it's the 28th of December today. We're coming up to the new year and today's podcast is going to be about growing up in war not from my perspective, because luckily for me, I was lucky enough to not grow up in war, but Peter did. And so just a bit of, in case that's something that might be triggering for you, or that's not something you want to listen to, tune out now, because I don't know, it might be, it might hit close to home for you or might make you feel uncomfortable. So maybe just don't listen if that's going to be the case. So it's always been something that I've been very intrigued about, war, always read a lot of books when I was younger um, and I find it extremely interesting and obviously it's insightful to speak to Peter about it because he had such a different upbringing from a lot of people my age and it's very educational so I thought let's make this podcast about growing up in war. I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to ask him and then I'm sure he'll elaborate as and when he as and when he wants. The first question is just to set the scene a bit, and that is, what was kind of happening in the war when you were born? Like when when in the timeline of the war, and which war? Just for people's you know knowledge, were you born? And where in England were you? Set the scene for us. Uh. You would have to remember that when you're born, you're not really taking everything into your <laughs> That's life. very good point. So, uh, I'm, I'm bearing an awful lot on what I picked up later. But there were definite feelings or meetings or happenings that I think I remember vividly. Okay. And I must admit, with some, I'm not sure whether it's because of the way they were explained to me later or not, but I... <clears throat> Um, the situation was, um, I was with my mother, and in fact, I think my grandmother, and uh, an, an, an aunt who seemed to be always there in the background, but where she was living or not, I'm not absolutely sure. Okay. Um, and there were two old ladies um, living next door, so I came into the world um, fussed over by a lot of women, and I was somewhere in a terraced house in Sunderland, in Durham, um, because basically my mother had married uh, my father uh, and I started life at, in 1941 and he had been killed, um, he was killed in 1942. So I never really knew him. I can say I was aware of him figure bending over me or something, but I can't. Did you meet him ever? Uh, most certainly I did. Oh, he saw you? But, but uh, he, he certainly saw me. In fact, there were pictures of him holding me with his parents on, because he was a farmer. Okay. And he lived outside uh, Sunderland. Um, and the farm was outside Sunderland. But, um, so my mother had been introduced into this farming family uh, when things went wrong and he died um, they were very good but basically he was the eldest son and 
his younger brother took over the farm and there was no place for my mother, very good looking woman, girl, 18, with baby, um, other than to help her with money, um, to start trying to get her life off the ground again. So she wasn't going to be living on the farm. So they organised this terraced house in Sunderland and that's where I started to become aware of things. Um, I can remember the selling of my father's car because <clears throat> he was quite an entrepreneur and did a, a very successful milk run and have got photographs of the old van. Um, and he liked cars, so he had a fast sports car. And I can remember the boys coming around in this grubby garage and uh, price being discussed and off we went and that was it. But I can just remember that scene slightly. Okay. Um, uh, but the upcoming, the upbringing of aware of no money, aware of rationing, everything. Yeah, that's what I was going to, next question was going to be, even from a young age, how, how aware were you that you were in like a different situation from the normal, as in obviously war is an abnormal environment for majority of people. Um, how aware were you that the, the life you were living was kind of abnormal to one that you would have lived if you were born uh, that, earlier uh, or later? At that stage, no. It just was, you I, just I, thought it was normal. I, I, I thought that was it. But one was aware that, um, there wasn't much loot. Um, trip to the shops, went past a favourite sweetie shop, or it was the favourite sweetie shop, and you got your whatever you liked. In those days, I liked, um, what's the black stuff? Licorice. Licorice, yeah. Licorice, because uh, I'd, I'd had vague memories of feeding horses on the farm. Licorice, which they liked. Um, because my mother did a lot of riding with my father's sister, okay. for one, and uh, the lovely photographs of them. Um, but all, all that family uh, and what one was going to be uh, came to an end when he died. Um, he, uh, he, he, he was a bit naughty um, and he was a pilot a bomber pilot okay. from, um, from milk uh, <laughs> entrepreneur to piloting a bomber. Um, supposedly the trip in a Halifax bomber had been to bomb Ber Berlin. Yeah. And uh, a crew of eight, including him, um, got badly damaged over Berlin and were limping home. But I think they got shot up some more. And so they didn't, I thought, I always thought that he died in the crash. Oh, he did. But, but they nearly, nearly got to the coast because when they did finally crash, um, uh, four of them had managed to get out. So he kept the plane afloat or going and four of them managed to parachute out and they were captured and went into prisoner of war camp. And the final four of them 
uh, couldn't make it, couldn't keep the plane up, so they crashed somewhere near Dunkirk. Okay. And um, it wasn't... I didn't really want to know about it. All, all I remember growing up with were pictures of two white gravestones with two names on each of them, which were the four who didn't get out. And uh, I didn't really know how strongly I felt or anything, but I was a bit pissed off yeah. that everybody seemed to have a father and I didn't have one. Um, uh, so did a lot of, did any kids your age that you were close with, did, did their dads go to war and then came back? At that age, I wasn't aware of that. Because okay. I, I was literally growing up, I think, to the age of about five, four or five, in Sunderland. And the things that were happening to a little boy then, like, I do remember very well, rather like Henry Ford's expression when he was starting to make motor cars, you can have any colour as long as it's black. And things because it was wartime and things were in short supply. Um, the, the first bike I got was very much second hand and someone did a deal somewhere and a favour and uh, it was a black bike. And you didn't have things like lights um, or anything like that. Those were extras to be bought possibly as Christmas presents. Okay, so everything was in... Everything, everything was a luxury, basically. Absolutely. Everything was bog standard. Well, you didn't know any other way, so it didn't make any difference. That's what I'm, because you didn't grow up any other way, do you think it was better that way? As in, if you'd been older and had grown up a little bit without war and then got into war, it would have been harder to live. Oh, I'm sure it would have been. Yeah. Was it scary then? Because obviously you read books and you see programs where there's loads of like sirens and scary bombings and sleepless nights and shelters and stuff like that do you remember any of that stuff i'm sure that sunderland got bombed but i wasn't i have to say i, I wasn't really aware of it uh i joked later in life about <coughs> yes i i fought during the second world war and uh you know as i came to and arrived um the window was shattering by my Cot side. I'm making things up, absolutely. But no, I wasn't aware of anything like that. Okay, okay. Um, I guess yeah. In my head, I was thinking it's either it was either really scary or there was an element of kind of not romanticizing, but almost like glorifying soldiers and what was the atmosphere like surrounding actually going to fight? Did a lot of boys? Do you think? I say boys because likely back then it would have been boys. Did a lot of boys grow up wanting to go and fight for their country? Or was was that something that was kind of instilled in you from a young age? Did you kind of idolise soldiers? I definitely, uh, it fascinated me. Uh, my mother being good-looking, there were a lot of lads around. Comics were only just starting. Yep. Uh, 
the Beano and the Dandy. Was it the Beano and the Dandy? Doesn't sound right saying it. Yes, but they came out on either Tuesday and Friday each or whatever. But that was quite an occurrence. But I'm not sure whether in fact they started then. I can certainly remember them in the second place that I lived, having left Sunderland and gone down to the North Kent coast, to Herne Bay. Uh, the comics coming through the, uh, the mailbox on certain days. They, obviously, they had a hero. Yeah. You know, his plane somehow shot 15 down in the same time. <laughs> so the usual impossibilities. Yes, yeah, uh, um, yeah. So, yes, it, it was important to me. Um, but I didn't realise that behind the scenes... Um, I don't think I don't think it was a particularly happy. The country was not happy. The country was at war. The country was tired. Um, Sunderland was tired. Uh, you know, what accents do people have in Sunderland? Is it like I'm told by accent? Hugo it's Macken. Macken is what they call them. Uh, it goes something along uh, insulate tip, honey. Uh, they, you know, insulating tape is the stuff that you stick oh, things down with. I have with. no idea what you were so, talking so they, about. So they, 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 oh, insulating tape. Uh, I mean, that's about all I can remember. I mean, okay, I've fine. joked the rest of my life that at some stage I couldn't, uh, I couldn't really grab the accent and get with it. So I had to hitchhike south to Kent, um, which was another, other, making up stories. Yeah. Of course one did. Because you didn't grow up then, like really knowing your surroundings were abnormal, was there a sense of, did you, and you said the country was unhappy, was there this sense of it's not going to be this way forever? Like, did you look to the future as being different from the way it was then? Or did you think this is going to be, this is like life? I just thought this is what it was. Do you think then there's like a common trait amongst all people kind of that you know that grew up in the war do you think there's there was something instilled in you that you kind of carried through with you to now part of your personality or like a belief or anything yes I do I do um, uh, because I can look back over conversations I've had with people who were in a similar position to me. Yes. And coincidentally, when one was trying to get business off the ground at the age of 29, 30, uh, the majority of the other people that I found myself doing business with uh, were people who'd lost their fathers during the war. And what were they all like in terms of what was similar? They were independent. They um, they didn't have a background. The capital of whatever size it was in the family, they weren't going to be getting because they were starting from scratch. Okay, I get what you mean. The funny thing about that is... It's quite lonely, that. It... it I, I can say quite categorically, it, it was uh, 
it was very lonely. Yes, it was very lonely. And it op only really opened up when I um, went abroad, when yeah, I was when 19. Do you think, this is a random question to ask, but it's just come into my mind. Do you think that because you didn't grow up with a male influence and you grew up with a lot of women around you, do you think you hold a, like a lot of feminine qualities compared to I, like, like empathy, for example, and... I, I grew it, um, up with creativity. More, certainly more respect for women than if I'd been brought up by a father who said, go on, son. Yeah, OK. <laughs> Give then, it one. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I had the opposite to that. So um, there was a respect. That's definitely. Nice, That's nice, yeah. though. Well... <laughs> It was supposedly good from other people's point of view. No, obviously you would have rather had, have had I, a dad, I would have obviously. known what was going on, but um, you weren't going to get the man-to-man -man conversation from your mother. No, of course not. And also, uh, bearing in mind that it wasn't as if she was um, 27 when she had me. No, she was so young. Wasn't she? So... She and the world, um, she didn't know Christmas or Easter. Yeah, she was still learning about it. it I, I, when I, I, I got to the prep school, you see, this is where it was, it was so cockeyed. Because if you lost your father during the war, they, the services uh, tried to make up for it by paying for an education. Okay. So there were people who started these prep schools, and as we've discovered, they could be very vicious bricks. So you just got free education if your dad died in the war? Surely that was so no. many people. No, what they did, uh, I can tell you with the RAF, um, they came at that time, I think, if it wasn't for a year or it was for a term, I can't remember, but it was about £100. Whatever happens, they put out £100. Well, unfortunately, you had other things like buying the clothes and travel yes. and things like that. And for, let's say, my mother, um, who in fact got a job with a company in London called Aims of Industry. Well, she knew absolutely nothing about industry or any business at all. So that was a big bluff. Um, come up with the extras for the so-called education the prep schools which were broke anyway so uh, let's say the RAF would pay a hundred pounds do you remember how old were you then then so I, I think I went when I was six and a half and how old were you when the war finished uh, so 41 Wait, don't remind me let me remember when the war finished 49 45 Right. God, that's so bad of me. I should so, that. And so, do you remember the war finishing? Do you have a vivid memory of that? No. 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 Uh, no. I can remember, and I, I, 
we visited, with me really small, Scotland in the latter stages of the war. And the beaches in Scotland were quite magnificent and there wasn't anybody there. Um, I remember my first humorous moment. It had to be explained to me because I didn't get it immediately myself, understandably, when we were driving and we came round a corner and there was a column of soldiers marching. And the first chap in the column had a sign that he was holding up, which said, be aware, soldiers marching. Well, I mean, basically you got the warning of about a foot before you hit the column. <laughs> so there was a certain humour there. Yeah, so that yeah, was yeah. So I, I can remember that moment, <laughs> but I can remember just being continually sick wherever I sat in the car. Car sickness. Are you car sick still now if you were sitting in the back of a car? No, that, that only I only overcame that when I started driving myself. So I was concentrating on the driving. True, maybe that's a concentration thing. Um, last thing I was going to ask uh, is basically for everyone that's not that obviously doesn't know Peter, he has a very big like fascination with war. As in, you read a lot of war books and have done a lot of kind of look, you've looked into it a lot. Is there any like incentive behind that? As in. What's your motivation for doing that? Well, I, uh, one found all the stories fascinating. But as the truth gradually came out about an awful lot of things, um, I was brought up to think that, you know, we had the best soldiers in the world because they used their imagination as well. Uh, but the Germans didn't and the Germans stuck to their guns and they were just automatons who were operating under instruction. Well, as it comes to light, that wasn't the case at all. We weren't very good. <laughs> and, um, Still wasn't, though. But uh, my, my, my holiday reading um, was always to read two books, at least. But um, the, the Great Escape okay. uh, and um, The Wooden Horse. The wooden horse is famous, very famous. The wooden horse was a jumping horse. Yeah. At the gym type. Yeah. And they tunnelled underneath it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that obviously fascinated one, that the cheek of bluffing and going out and putting a thing in a position every day in the same place with the Germans and everybody else watching, I thought was absolutely magnificent. But those were my jujubes. Um, I'd fulfilled most of the holiday by reading those two books. Did you, when you've been reading books about war and stuff and about soldiers and life at war, did, do you think you've kind of conjured up an image of your dad through reading books? Like when you're reading books about war and soldiers and um, aircraft, RF more specifically, do you... You know, when you're reading and you're picturing something in your head, are you, do you like your, imagine that the character's your dad ever? Unfortunately, the view of those white gravestones uh, and my determination that it was all wrong didn't let me imagine, imagine anything. 
I blanked it out. Uh, the, the prep school, uh, Remembrance Day, um, they put the people who'd lost their fathers in a special three rows. Yeah. Um, and made a thing of it. Oh, and I remember we were allowed, big honour, on the Sunday to clean the windows in the chapel. Because your dad had died. Exactly. So those who'd lost their fathers. Uh, That's weird. So, uh, so everything about it, I shut off. I didn't allow the mind to go any further. Do you, like, if you're being honest about it, do you think that that was... Do you think that that's a self-defence mechanism? Like, do you think that's helped you cope with it or do you think it's quite, like, an unhealthy way to have dealt with it? Uh... Or do you think it stopped you from feeling more negative emotion that you would have felt if you had allowed yourself? I did think it's. I think it stopped letting the thing go any further. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I had a lovely mate who I lived with in Thailand, and um, his parents lived in Ibiza. When Ibiza wasn't anything and uh, when I got to leave taking my leave back in the UK six months um, I went with two mates to Ibiza to stay with his mother who had been widows after they'd retired to Ibiza his father had had a heart attack the second week they were there having got their, their retirement home and everything. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she was a superwoman, and I got pretty pissed on the second night. And she took me for a walk. And she said, you've got a problem. Really? And I didn't know that I had. And I think that was it. Really? Yeah. And talked and talked. But I didn't know that I'd been bottling it up. No, because it's your brain Forever. that did it for you. Yep. So, uh, so that was the continuation of that ignoring it. Uh, well, <laughs> it wasn't until Gogo said, we've got to go and see the graves. Really? Mm. So we went to Dunkirk, okay, where, as you know, they had the great uh, retreat, as it were, it was yeah. considered a victory uh, at the beginning of the war. Uh, and we went to the war graves there. But unfortunately, having had a bit of a lunch, uh, we got in touch with them and they had no record because uh, I wasn't going to discuss it with my mother. No. Uh, so we went into a flower shop. I don't know why. And Marcel said to the woman, said, are there any, you know, is there a local graveyard? We said, literally, 300 yards down the road. That's why the flower shop was where it was. Um, and that's where we found them in a special section that was for um, other people who had been killed in the area during the war. 
Well, we split up and I suddenly found myself standing in front. This is 40, 50 years. Okay. No, 50 years after. Okay. Um, uh, there they were. The pictures that I ripped up and put down the oh, loop. Oh, that's mm -hmm. crazy. Um, mm -hmm. So... How long did you stay there? Not, not too long. Do you think it helped you going? Do you think you needed to? I go? don't know. I, th I think possibly one did. I'm sure but didn't you sort of break. Didn't. didn't sort of break an elastic band and suddenly blah blah. Yeah, didn't nothing clicked when you saw. I think that had mostly been done when I'd had the chat with my mate's mother. Yeah. Um, but it's tough. I feel like you're. Your brain was probably battling between helping you out by just cutting off all the emotion and allowing you to feel. But also there's probably a sense of you not necessarily wanting to feel that much about it for your mum's sake. I, I, didn't, I didn't want. Because uh, my mother uh, thought that I blamed her for not having a husband. Oh, so it's all strange things. Strange. Well, I've got most lovely mate. He's living in Denver now. And um, his mother, in fact, married three times during the war, I think. But his father was killed uh, at a place called Monte Cassino. And... If you read the thing, it's when they're going up Italy, Monte Cassino is heavily defended. And they attacked it four times. Who? We did? We did. Okay. The, the Allies, okay? Yes. And they couldn't take it. I mean, they, they, the boys were looking down on them, the Germans, and they were well dug in, defensive positions. And it, it was mayhem. And you know that this is how your friends have died, because he told you. A, he told me, and B, later in his life, even after I first met him, his mother gave him a letter from his father. Anyway, um, so yes, yes, the war did affect. And the other half dozen that I met in the early 70s, when we were trying to make money out of property, uh, all had their own stories to tell. But the funny thing was that these little prep schools invariably had a headmaster's wife. Yes. Who made sure that you spoke correctly and thought it was very important that you did. Yes. So you came out speaking correctly as if you'd had a very good education. But you haven't. But you haven't, A, had a great education, and B, you didn't come from the background that the majority of the world thought you did because of the way you spoke. So it invariably meant that you had to start off below the bottom rung of the ladder and work your way into being accepted, mm -hmm. speaking as you did. 
get if that you. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, is there anything you want to add to, to the end of the podcast? Well, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you've had a wonderful time. You can speak. Yeah, we'll cut everything out. You can cut anything out. Say so just say bye though. Bye bye. Because I could cut this bit into the but into the bit before. Does that make sense? Yes. I can crop this bit in. Bye bye everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>